Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, welcome to Cinematics. It's another episode of Cinematics. This is Cinematics, episode 183. I am Greg Srizavosti, a Critics' Choice member, Nanny Anderson Cowan, right-hand man, who's not so, not much of a right-hand man. The real right-hand men are with me today. First up is Eric Holmes. Eric Holmes, how are you doing this week? Uh, real good. Busy, busy week today. Or B- not today. Well, also today, but it's busy week overall. Well, why, why are you so busy? Are you doing like tabletop? Are you creating games on the board? or boards on the games or board games or tabletop what are you doing yeah so i I had an idea for a board game and they started writing rules for it and they made a prototype and they went on tabletop simulator and put it on there and then that wasn't enough so i started putting the the film ball game on there and uh there was that i went to uh my friend jonathan christopher martin we had him on the show before. I did an interview with him. I don't know if it's up yet, but he had a premiere. He made a, a 30 minute short and that was real fun. And, uh, oh God, what else? Uh, got uh, interviews coming up. There's just so much going on. Oh, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I have a call. Hey, hey, Deandra, I'm on the phone right now with, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing a podcast. Can I call you right back? Say hi. Eric, say hi. And Bruce, say hi. Hello. She says hi. She's a Hello. bunch of cinematics. I'll talk to you in a bit. Deandra, take care. Bye-bye. Okay. So, yeah, she's uh, she's uh, my best friend. She makes a lot more money than all of us. She's a big-time producer over in New York. How's that? I, don't you feel bad that we're not making millions and millions of dollars on this podcast? Bruce Bruce Perky, you're wasting time with me and Eric, and Eric's wasting time with, with me and uh, Anderson. And you know, I mean, we shouldn't be, we, we'd be making millions of dollars from Find Your Film and Cinematics now. Bruce, talk to me. No, no. My butchering business is keeping me, you know, really, really deep in the <laughs> something. Uh, yes, no. <laughs> the butchering reference that Bruce Perky referenced is a reference or situation description that Anderson Cowan gave to Bruce Perky. He was saying, out of all four of us on cinematics, Bruce Perky is the best at not butchering reviews, but he butchers them in the sense that he knows how to carve up reviews of movies and break them down better than himself me and eric holmes and that i do agree with and the reason why i agree with this is bruce perky is going to break down and butcher a movie called ennis or enis i think it's enis main enis main this week and i'm not gonna even say i i saw the movie i don't even know where how to start i'm gonna let the butcher do it i'm gonna let bruce perky the butcher handle enis main are you ready for an enis main discussion this week Yes, I am ready for it. I've got my luchador mask with the big B on the forehead. I am ready. Do you have a rain, a red raincoat slicker on you that, that, that you're going to do for the review? <laughs> so raincoat slicker. I got a rock that I'm ready to drop down a hole. I am ready for all of this. You got, a, you got a top hat and a glass eye with an eagle on it that you tap on it with your knife. Well, it's a little different. It's a little different than that. That's a different butcher. I, I do mine in, <laughs> in the ring. All my butchering is in the ring. All, so. all of that stuff is in the ring. What's in this ring this week are a bunch of movies. For our first rotating pick is my pick, Samuel Fuller's The Naked Kiss. We'll, we will be reviewing that movie shortly. And then our features this week are Smoking Causes Coughing, which, Eric, you did an interview with Quentin Depew last week. I, there's a movie still. It's been a week. Do you still kind of remember the movie? Because it's been a, a week since you, a week and a half since you've seen it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a tough movie to forget. It just his movies in general stick with you. Whether or not you like them is a different story because he definitely has a 
particular uh you know flavor to his movies but just happens to be a flavor i enjoy flavor you enjoy there's another i don't know if the flavor of acid man is something that eric and bruce enjoy they both saw the movie i really enjoyed acid man spoiler alert i did interview thomas hayden church and acid man director alex lehman this week that is found currently on our find your film podcast so you can check those interviews out Eric's interview with Quentin Depew will be out later this week, as well as an interview with Snowy Dane, Oakland actress. What is her name? Zavios? How do you say it? What is it, Eric? Claudia Zavios. Claudia Zavios for Snowy Dane, Oakland, and a Quentin Quentin Depew interview for uh, Smoking Causes Coughing and my interview with Acid Man is currently up right now. So we have that. We have a movie, a Apple TV Plus movie, Tetris. We're gonna, I did not see that, but Bruce and Eric did see that. I saw a movie called A Thousand and One. Hits theaters on March 31st. Really, really love that movie. And the aforementioned Enos Men, which hits theaters on March 31st. We are going to wrap up our featured with that. Finally, with all these movies that are become, we're talking about, there's going to be a box movie, The 20th Century, suggested by Kate over at the Walk the Cinema podcast. Bruce Hand is handling with aplomb the movie The 20th Century Century. But first, let's start off with The Naked Kiss. The Naked Kiss, simply put, is directed by one of my favorite filmmakers. And I know Eric and Bruce are fans of Samuel Fuller. Eric, what are the th- what's one of the things you love about Samuel Fuller as a director from what you've seen from his movies? Um, so far he takes like uh, this is gonna be a weird comparison, but it, it reminds me a lot of Bobcat Goldthwait, or maybe it's the other way around since Samuel Fuller came away first. But like he takes serious subject matter, but he also finds the comedy in there in weird places, and so I always appreciate that. Running at an hour and thirty minutes, The Naked Kiss, which was released in 1964, directed and penned by Samuel Fuller. We previously reviewed The Big Red One, I believe The Steel Helmet. So we've done Fuller before, this time out for The Naked Kiss, again released in 64. It centers on this prostitute named Kelly, played by Constance Towers. And and the beginning of the movie is very iconic. She is beating up a man with, I believe, her high-heeled shoe. And I think he grabs at her hair and he pulls it down and you realize she's bald. It, it this is the first minute of the movie. She's she's actually slapping the guy with with a shoe, which is basically hitting the camera, right? So you see a POV shot on her, and then you see another POV shot with a with a hand grabbing, if I recall, the hair, and then she becomes bald. She's bald. You see her bald head. And now, by the way, that bald scene was the last scene shot in the Naked Kiss. So they finished production of the movie, pretty much most production, and then they actually had to save the best for last because she had, they had to shave Constant Towers' head. She had to have, have her, her head was really shaved for the opening moments of that movie. Just based on those several minutes, it's going to grab the average viewer on her cinematics Facebook group. I don't know who said it. Maybe it was Ken Cunningham. He was saying, oh, I definitely have to see this movie after watching the first seven or eight, well, first several minutes. But then I think he or someone else was saying, oh, I just didn't end up liking the rest of the movie. So I kind of gave up midway through. Well, after the iconic opening moments, Kelly, the prostitute, she actually, it cuts to two years later and she's on a bus, steps out of a bus and she goes to the small town. I believe it's called either Grant or Grantville, Grant, I believe. And she tries to ingratiate herself into this local suburban town. She ultimately becomes a nurse or a caretaker of crippled children in a hospital. She ends up becoming a love interest to the town, just, I guess, a town bachelor who's very rich. His name is Grant. So I guess he, he's pretty much the king of the town. And there's also a sort of a mini corrupt cop 
played by actor Anthony Isley. His character is Griff. So it's sort of a, not a love triangle, but sort of a character-driven drama about this former prostitute who's trying to go straight, who is falling in love with the town king, played by Michael Dante. And she's also in sort of a weird situation with the town officer. That is the premise of The Naked Kiss. I have my own thoughts on it. Let's go start with you, Bruce Perky. You've really enjoyed Fuller's previous work, how does The Naked Kiss, which is considered one of his most popular films, how, did it, how does it stack up for you? Well, mm, well, it's it's different in some ways and, and similar in some ways. I guess it's similar in that it's got, got that indie, low-budget kind of guerrilla spirit to it. Like, he always feels like he's just not working within the Hollywood system, whatever era you see his stuff. So that part is the same as him. But this is much more lurid and like uh, – and I haven't seen Shock Corridors. This might fit in with Shock Corridor. But this is much more um, salacious. It's like pulp fiction, literally like a pulp fiction novel, I think, is a great way to approach this. And I think the a number one thing I would say for people approaching this, if you want to have fun with it, is you have to realize that this is, to me, high camp. This is this is melodrama at 11. You know, you kind of described the beginning, but you kind of didn't describe. So this I'll give a quick little rundown of the opening moments of her arriving to the town. It's like her. It's like um, the salesman in uh, Henry Hill, you know, arriving to town in The Music Man. You know, she arrives with her little her little briefcase full of stuff she's going to sell. She's like, a you know, fly by night salesperson running to town. She meets the town cop. You know, they have this little banter back and forth and what is she, she selling yeah, she's selling champagne <laughs> no bruce she's selling specifically angel foam get it right <laughs> angel foam champagne which and then she might be selling quote something else uh and then off off we are off to the races of her going to the wrong side of the tracks but is she going to go to the wrong side of the tracks um <laughs> to me, this movie is ridiculous in all the great ways, in in, the, in very fun ways. Uh, there's things in this that are more fun to discover. Uh, some things with the kids uh, singing songs. Uh, the kids, for some reason, so she's <laughs> what is this hospital for? Um, for um, kids who are trying to what is it? What are they? They're just uh, handy. Some of them are handicapped. One of them can, can barely walk. Disabled. So they're disabled. Yeah, yeah. The the hospital for disabled kids who only wear pirate hats, apparently, to, that are with labels of whatever role they're supposed to have in their life, like cook or something. Um, uh, I think that if anything, I cannot imagine this movie did not inspire two things. I, I would believe a thousand percent. John Waters, in general, had to have seen this movie, had to have, and Blue Velvet. If Blue Velvet did not see this movie, uh, you know, David Lynch, when he was thinking of Blue Velvet, I would be absolutely amazed. I did not read up on it. I could be speaking out of my behind, but I have a feeling that that is what happened. Bruce, you mentioned the word lurid. Do you find lurid, is that a pejorative in describing this movie, or it depends on how the cinephile appreciates or does not appreciate the word lurid. No, I think you can't appreciate it. I think it's like, um, we talked about Lolita and how Lolita is really like a weird comedy that, that Kubrick made. This is like that, but just cranked up a little more preposterous, but not much. Honestly, I think if you can get into the wavelength of Kubrick's Lolita and how it's really this weird melodramatic comedy of craziness and luridness, then I think you could kind of get on the same wavelength as this movie too. 
I will say this before we get to Eric's take on The Naked Kiss. Whether you love this movie or not for its luridness or the fact that you want, maybe you might want The Naked Kiss to be a little bit more subtle, be more straight ahead drama than like Bruce was saying, maybe camp or too melodramatic. I think on a visual sense, you for cinephiles, just know that the DOP, the the cinematographer, the lenser, as Anderson says, complains that I always say, the DOP behind this, his name is Stanley Cortez. Stanley Cortez in his body of work includes one of my, two of my favorite black and white films, the 1942 Orson Welles film, The Magnificent Ambersons, and of course, The Night of the Hunter, which is directed by Charles Lawton, two beautiful black and white films. And even with the limited budget that that Samuel Fuller had for The Naked Kiss, because this is an independent production, this movie, if you're a fan of black and white, by the way, black and white is discussed on a recent in, recent podcast from, from middle class film class, recent episode. And I really love that discussion. But if you are an enthusiast of the form, this is worth watching just because it it's uh, one of DOP Stanley Cortez's most valued and best known works. So let's go to Eric Holmes's review take on the naked kiss. What do you think? Eric? Well, uh, one of the things I appreciated about this was although the characters uh, judge uh, Constance Towers character, character Kelly, the characters definitely judge her for being a prostitute. I don't feel that the movie does, which seems, I, I don't know if that's ahead of its time because I wasn't alive back then, but it seems kind of uh, forward thinking in that respect. Like they had like the, the Anthony Isley's character Griff that he, he was a cop and he the, hires her as a prostitute, uh, as a prostitute. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you're the bad one. It's like, well, you're the cop. <laughs> Like, first of all, I don't think being a prostitute's that big of a deal, but the fact that you partake in it and then immediately turn around and judge someone, like, I, I, this kind of like one of the things that I like about Sam Fuller is that he's able to kind of, kind of take a different, different look at, um, ethics maybe that wouldn't be, uh, so obvious to people maybe at the time, but I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, this, this was a good one. I, I do kind of see a little bit of the camp, but, also, I saw this, you know, as I'm watching, I'm just like all in is a straight movie. But Bruce mentions the camp and now I'm kind of looking back on it. I guess, yeah, there is a, a bit of that. Uh, there's but, a lot of that. <laughs> I mean, there, there's one scene where she's Kelly and the town king pretty much grant they're romancing each other in, at his mansion. And he's talking about taking her to Venice and has a really interesting cross cutting between scenes of a gondola and Venice Obviously, everything's in black and white and him romancing her. And then she superimposing herself into I think, Venice. It's a weird Lynchian moment. And it's a romantic interlude that feels like weird. It just it worked for me. And I think there are a lot of Bruce was saying campy. There's a lot of surreal touches to this movie. Like Bruce was saying, there's a musical number with the kids. That <laughs> yeah. It's a be- actually, if you look at the origins of the score, it's a beautiful, if you <laughs> dive deeper into the actual music, it's really cool. But if you just stay on the surface, which 99.99% of people will, the people will be going, what the heck is this? What's going on right now? So anyway, sorry, Eric, I was interrupting you. So there's a, a part near the end and, I'll, I'll let you guys decide whether I should mention what it is, but uh, she comes home and someone leaves. Mm-hmm. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Was no, not, no. Expe- was not expecting that. And okay. It, it's actually that part was, I, now that I'm thinking of it, a lot of this was kind of edited kind of weird. And that scene in particular was edited kind of crazy. Cause 
Um, of course, yeah. My my there guess is that they did censorship. Had, had to, to be censorship. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it it seemed like like I finally got what what that was. Right. But mm-hmm. it took it took a minute. I was like, wait, what's let's rewind that again. What what's going on? Um, right, it, right. And I don't know if it's a censorship thing or if it's uh, trying to be tasteful with the subject matter that they're bringing up in that particular scene. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and back to the camp. The uh, the lineup was <laughs> yes so good that was that was something else <laughs> that was something else yeah, this movie is something else what's interesting that eric was mentioning about samuel fuller's approach to the lack of judgment on his main character or i guess some people in the town whatever there's the lack of judgment which or empathy maybe it's it's really interesting because fuller himself when he was a young person in the journalism world he actually found stories and he actually stayed with prostitutes and learning their stories, learning their day-to-day, day, getting them coffee between Joes, right? And he was he actually was steeped in that world. So actually writing The Naked Kiss, a lot of this, even though it's steeped in camp and melodrama, a lot of it is based on reality, just the inspiration of the people he knew way back when, when he was a not a beat reporter, but when he was working within the newspaper world which helped set him up as a writer. And then eventually his work in war, his um, service in World War II would set him up for all those war movies he did as well. So a lot of the movies that Samuel Fuller directs are taken from, are inspired by his own life. So I found that very interesting. And yeah, so that is the naked kiss. Eric, you look, you look like you got something. Yeah. So your... my brain is pretty much garbage, but what was the one where uh, uh, the, the lady sets up the gun inside the safe? Was that another oh, Samuel yes. Fuller? What, what was that one? That was Ashes. Uh, return from the Ashes. Return yes. either Return from the Ashes. I think it's Return from the Ashes or Return yeah. to the Return from the Ashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah very the, good, Eric. The, yeah, this one, this one had a lot of similar kind of uh, DNA with that one. I think. Yeah, it's very good. I forgot the and, name of the director. And, the Devil, Bruce liked it. Sorry. And yeah, as I as I recall, uh, Bruce thought that one was pretty campy too. And I'm like, no, yes. that was serious stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know, both can be both can be correct, right? It is a serious moment, and he turned from the ashes. What an underrated film! And props to, props to Bruce for actually the next week you did a review of I the Devil, which I believe you recommended as well. To yes, the yeah, I have the yeah. devil. So Jay Lee Thompson, that's the name of the filmmaker. But we're not talking about Jay Lee Thompson right now. Good pull, Eric Holmes. We are talking about the Naked Kiss. It's available on the Criterion Channel. I have the Blu-ray. Daniel Close or Chloe's or Close. I don't know the guy from Ghost World. He actually does the artwork for the booklet that I have for the my own Criterion Blu-ray. But you can actually watch it on various streaming outlets, including the Criterion Channel and on Prime Video, which is where I believe Eric and Bruce saw it. My rating on the Naked Kiss. I don't feel like it's top tier Samuel Fuller. I saw it years ago and I like it even more now, but it's still not like the big red one or the steel helmet, but I'm still, I still love it. So I'm giving the naked kiss four and a half out of five stars. Eric, what's your rating? I did like this one. I enjoyed it, but in again, I don't know if this has to do with censorship or just wonky editing, but it's very rough around the edges. Um, and not like a not like an indie movie that's rough around the edges, but still charming. This one feels kind of. Um, I mean, if it was if it was censorship, there's nothing they could have done. But I'd probably go three and a half. I'd, I'd still definitely recommend. But this could be like I, I think this is one of those movies that's probably ripe for a remake. Hmm, interesting. Three and a half from Eric Holmes. Bruce, what's your rating on the Naked Kiss? My rating. Well, first, I would like to make a pitch. Um, 
Greg, you mentioned there's this whole thing about uh, experiences that Samuel Fuller had of getting coffee between Joes, the prostitutes. I yes. want to see a dramatization of that movie, and I want it to be called Joe Between Johns. Uh, I think that would be an amazing <laughs> movie about Samuel Fuller slash prostitute story. Uh, anyway, I will give this a three-star banger. Three-star three banger. banger. If you go in with my attitude, it's a three-star banger. Okay, again, three-star banger is actually sometimes even better than a four-star movie, especially when the four stars is being levied by Greg Svasti. But three-star banger is still a very strong rating. And for me, four and a half and three for Eric Holmes. That is our first rotating pick for that is Samuel Fuller's The Naked Kiss. Our next rotating pick will go to Bruce Perky. Bruce Perky, what is the movie that all three of us have to watch next week for our rotating pick? So, uh, you know, I try to give myself inspiration to do this because it's not available to rent right now. It's not available even on DVD right now, but it's this big, giant action movie. Everyone's talking about it. I mean, it's having all the influence on people right now. Um, and it is from 1991 and it's called Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Is that the one that starred Brian Bosworth? Are you being are yes. you serious? We're oh, going to watch Stone Cold. We're going to watch Stone Cold starring Brian Bosworth. F you. I mean, thank you, Bruce, for that rotating pick. Wow. I, I, Eric Holmes, are you excited about Stone Cold? Every bit of uh, willpower to not sing the rainbow song. <laughs> okay, very, very good. Eric Holmes. I wanted to go outside of my wheelhouse. Oh, very so outside of my wheelhouse. Uh, Stone Cold uh, is something to behold. Have either of you seen it? I've never seen it. I just remember the poster. I don't think so. Oh, oh you, you have not seen Lance Hendrickson until you've seen him in Stone Cold. Okay. We have. okay but uh, Stone we'll, Cold. We'll, we'll find out one way or another. So it's wait. I'm sorry, Bruce. You're saying not. It's available not on streaming, or you can you can still find it. Okay, so it's available. You can still find it, but this is literally this is, once again get your actual physical media because this is very hard to find right now. Which is the only reason I will say that we're going to watch it the way we're probably going to watch it. But um, you can't rent it. You can't stream it. Uh, and you may or may not agree with me that that is a crying shame. Right. You know, uh, look, just, okay, we don't have time for this, but physical media is so, <laughs> so important. I just purchased a sealed copy of Night Gallery Season 1, Rod Sterling Series, Season 1, okay? Six bucks, wrapped. Full. And you know what? After I purchased it, I looked on Just Watch to see if it's streaming anywhere. No, you can't, you can't, you can't find it anywhere, anywhere right now. Yeah. And it's just these situations you think you have everything under the sun with the streaming media streaming but you do need i don't trust anybody anymore it's all about physical media for me buying and choosing the ones you want yes well, and i had pointed out to you if you want to get the novel the samuel fuller novel version of the naked kiss it's like hundreds of dollars you oh, can't even get that it's out of print that's horrible that's horrible we can i i think it's cost maybe 20 30 bucks for the big red one one of these days when i have some cash i'm going to buy the the novelization of that movie now the next up are for our features. Let's get to our featured films. Let's start off with Eric Holmes. This magnet releasing film from Quentin Quentin de Pew is smoking, causes coughing. It's in theaters and on demand March 31st. Eric Holmes, talk about this movie. What's it about, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, what's it about? Jesus. <laughs> Good luck. Bruce, how about this? I, I, me... I, believe I, I believe I start off every Quentin de Pew uh, review like that um so it's this uh kind of a superhero movie there uh if you ever looked on uh youtube and someone made a uh what if wes anderson did the x-men it, it kind of looks like that or maybe power rangers but it, it's a superhero team and uh they're fighting a giant turtle and they it blow up the turtle and then they uh they the tobacco to force the tobacco <laughs> force. yeah there you go 
then they talk to their uh, boss. They they get a warning in their uh, little van, and they go in there, and uh, they they talk to their boss. It looks like a cracked out elf. He basically tells them that they need to hang out and have some. Uh, what, what do they call that? The when you're working, hanging out with coworkers, a uh, team building or whatever, fraternizing. More of a team building exercise. Okay. But yeah, I see, yeah, like I a retreat. I, like if you're doing a team building retreat. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Something like that. And then throughout, a bunch of people are telling stories. So kind of they use a, the superhero Power Rangers aesthetic as a framing device for an anthology because there's a bunch of short stories like throughout. And short stories are amazing. One one in particular involves a uh, a bucket. Someone's aunt. <laughs> Which might be the best one, I think. Uh, some lady's got a helmet that she can't remove. As you might expect from Quentin Depew, it's very silly, very strange. I I thought it was just hilarious. There's a, just a bunch of like, it, it's weird because it's not like jokey, ha-ha funny. It's just kind of like, what the hell am I watching kind of funny. Um, this is, yeah, I, that's about the best I can describe it. Eric, how does it match up to Mandible's rubber, incredible but true is it still on the same plane as the previous movies that you loved? Yeah, this is, oh, this is probably close because uh, Incredible But True seems more high concept with the the time travel element to it. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, this actually, this probably goes a lot closer to uh, rubber, maybe, especially at the end where the movie just kind of goes off the rails and just goes nuts. Or of the two you mentioned, probably closer to Mandibles, probably. Uh, it's a lot more about the characters. Yeah. And then the cracked out elf. And then okay. the Barracuda that tells the story was being <laughs> Was being what? The Barracuda they, story. They, they, yeah. catch a, they catch a Barracuda and they're cooking it on, on a, a stovetop. And then the Barracuda is like, let me tell you a story. It's the most crazy thing. <laughs> That's so funny. There's also another character, Lezardine, the emperor of evil, he, who decides to annihilate planet Earth. And I guess the tobacco force must defeat Lezardine. Anyways, Bruce, smoking yeah, thing. Does it also is, cause a high rating for you? Yes, it does cause a high rating for me. I this is this is like magically designed for me. This is if I were to describe it, he did his description once again, how do you describe these movies? But to me it's like if Monty Python and Psycho Gorman kind of got together and they had the art department of Mystery Science Theater 3000 because there's lots of puppets and like robots and weird things that are just all practical. I love that stuff. I I like the framing device a lot. The opening scene where a family stops and sees them fighting the turtle monster is fantastic. Uh, and I love I love the fact that when it started doing the stories, I'm like, okay, this is what this is. It's going to be a bunch of stories that then we're going to see the stories like an anthology, like Eric said. And you know, one of the uh, Tobacco Force tells a story. Also, Tobacco Force all have names like what is it like nicotine yeah, like, and uh, like methane mercury and, and yeah. arsenic or something <laughs> yeah. like that I, I can't remember so anyway okay the names are benzene nicotine methanol mercury and ammonia there you go right so Ar- arsenic was on vacation <laughs> arsenic <laughs> yeah. did not show up in this arsenic one. didn't make it <laughs> died from poisoning but um when the uh there's a little hitchhiker's guide in the galaxy to this too but uh when the one you know Tobacco Force member tells her story. I'm like, okay, each Tobacco Force member is going to tell a story. But no, some family comes wandering in, a little girl tells a story. And then like he says, the, the fish puppet like sticks its head up and it tells a story. And to, the Barracuda story is definitely the highlight to me. That that story is, I mean, 
worth the price of admission alone is that story. But there are many, many, many moments in this that I, I quite loved. Does it reach the levels, the comedic heights, in my opinion, of mandibles, Bruce? I think so. I think it does. I, I look back on the two and I think they probably are about equal in the amount of genuinely funny things that are in it. Oh, okay. I'm missing. I need to see smoking causes coughing in me. Oh, I hope my link is not expired. Oh my gosh. Anyways, ratings. Oh, final thoughts, Eric Holmes. You, you have a look like you wanted to say something else about smoking causes coughing. Got it. I, 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 I want to say a bunch, but it'll be spoilers. But the yeah. weird thing about his movies is I could tell you literally everything that happens and it would just kind of go in your brain, jumble around. And then your brain would spit it out. Going, I have no idea what that was all, what you just said. Right. Bruce, I just want to say, I love the fact that this guy is getting money to make these movies. He's found his groove. You know, he's getting enough budget to make the movies he wants to make. And he seems to be just on his wavelength and he's doing it. And he's putting them out like, you know, once or twice a year, you know, every year, year and a half. And that's amazing. The the last two and a half, three years, we've been treated to mandibles, incredible, but true. And now smoking causes coughing. That's amazing. That just, I think as far as filmmakers go. I don't, I'm trying to think of a better output within such a short time frame, right? So just. Yeah. And, and his outputs, just like these strange bonkers movies that, and, and I asked him in that interview uh, why that is and gave an answer, but I was like, I, I wish, I wish more filmmakers that are as original and fun and creative as he is could get that kind of, you know, kind of get the ball rolling the way he does. I, I don't know how he's able to do it, but I'm glad he's, I'm glad. And, and his movies tend to be about 70 minutes long. Yeah. Right. This one's at 80 minutes, but 70 to 80 minutes are the same. It's the same thing. Same thing. It's under 90 minutes, right? <laughs> he's under, making short movies that are full of so much, so much imagination compared to a lot of other way longer movies. Also, I think this is a very weird contradiction with Quentin Dupieux. You guys have seen, I think Bruce, you've seen all of his movies. Eric, you've, I think, I think both of you've seen all of Quentin's no, movies. I haven't I seen have, Deer Skin and uh, Cop something, something. Okay. Cop. He's I know, got like inter- 10 movies. I've only seen yeah. like four or five. So. Okay. So what's interesting, and I, I'm trying to explain this, but for, I've seen two of his movies, Mandibles and Incredible But True. What I love about it is he takes and a seemingly absurd premise, but his movies don't feel like one trick ponies. They don't feel like gimmicky. I, the, the plot line is gimmicky at times, but the storytelling is pretty organic. I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but it, it does. It's absurd, but very real. I, do you guys know what I'm talking about? It doesn't. Yeah, go ahead. Eric. The, like, like rubber is a great example of this, like a tire that goes around killing people. That's an absurd premise. And then, so when I went in, I'm like, ha ha, uh, Tyra's going to go around killing people. And then I watched the movie and that's not the weirdest thing about the movie. Like he, he has these absurd hooks to his movies, but the absurd hook is not the strangest part of it. That's like just to get you in. And then you go in and it's like, oh, wow, this, uh, this is so much more bonkers than I was expecting. I love every second of it. Let's see if Eric and Bruce are going to give bonkers ratings to Smoking Causes Coughing. Let's start off with Eric Holmes, who, by the way, again, Quentin Depew interview is going to be up in one of our podcast feeds. Eric Holmes, your rating on Smoking Causes Coughing. 
I want to go 6.9 stars on this. Oh, I love it. So I'm just going to go 6.9 stars on this. <laughs> okay. 6.9 stars. From Holmes. I'm going to edit him because I'm the edit police. I'm just going to put five star banger. And five you know, star banger. One of these days, I, I know I'm going to be on a rain. <laughs> I'll be on a red rain slick, slick coat. And then we're going to be off a cliff in, in some uh, Cornish inlet. And I'm sure Eric is going to push me for editing him on these ratings. Let, let's say right now, 6.9 stars from eric holmes let's not edit that let's say the best of the best i don't know eric you can't beat eric's rating but what was your rating for smoking causes coughing uh i'll probably go four and a half uh it is definitely it could go up pretty easily though because i think this has some great rewatchability and i did make both of my kids watch the barracuda story <laughs> what do they think <laughs> they just shake their head at me sometimes, real, but they real, seem to enjoy it. But they were like, "Oh my gosh, what is this?" Real quick, the uh, Barracuda story that was the that was a bucket one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Because the the girl was telling this. There was a story about a fish, and it, for some reason, I was thinking the Barracuda was telling the story about the fish. But I think that was a girl that shows up no. at the campsite. Barracuda tells the bucket story. Yeah, that that <laughs> okay. bucket story is amazing. It's a, that alone, alone. It's like fifteen twenty minutes of pure bliss. Yeah. Okay, what something this is not pure bliss. This is a movie called Acid Man. This is in theaters and on demand March 31st, aka Friday. Stars Thomas Hayden Church and Diana Agron. Guess I could have picked up a little had I known you were making the trip. Dad, what made you pick this place? It's a good place to be left alone. Oh, look. Airplane? No, think interplanetary. You can say it. A UFO? Yes! Whoa. Yes! <laughs> well, technically it's an IFO because you just identified it. You guys look like you had an adventure. We went fishing with Bobby Sock. Who's Bobby Sock? Talk to old Bobby! Bobby would help you out with all your problems! I'm worried about my dad. He's in the middle of nowhere with just a dog, some blinking lights, a sock. Acid man! Dad! I can't tell what part of you is real. Nobody could ever support me in anything that I had to do that was important. I'm going to thank you for traveling 2,000 miles to be here. He thinks very highly of himself. (laughs) So what are you doing here? Kind of ran away from home. You're just a little bit lost right now. I can just be here. I was here first. They want to make contact in two days. Be rude not to acknowledge your presence. Hit it. Now? Now. So much that we don't know about. So much mankind doesn't want to know about. You remember Sedona? Yeah, it was great. Four fire trucks. Nobody got hurt. Mom's eyebrows were singed off. I told her to get back. Here is a plot synopsis for Acid Man. Quote, Maggie tracks down her estranged dad, Lloyd, now living in the Oregon wilderness, obsessed with UFOs. Together, they attempt to make first contact. Well, first contact with the UFOs, and they need to make second contact with each other because they're estranged family members. Again, Maggie's played by Diana Agron and Thomas Hayden Church. We all love Thomas Hayden Church. He plays Lloyd, just I interviewed him recently, and I don't know if Eric or Bruce, you've listened to that interview, but he spends four to five minutes talking about the Walter Hill miniseries, 
uh, what is it called? Broken Trail. So that's amazing. Eric, you got to definitely listen to that interview with Thomas Hayden Church. Now, we're not talking about Walter Hill. We're not talking about that wonderful Western Broken Trail. Thank you, Angie Clark, for giving me that DVD, by the way. Let's talk about Acid Man. It's pretty much almost a two-hander set in the Oregon wilderness, about two people trying to get to know each other after years of estrangement. That's, I, I latched onto it. It's directed and co-written by Alex Lehman. I am a fan of his previous works. My question, though, is if Bruce or Eric, if they felt the same way I did about Acid Man, because one can go either way on this movie. Let's start off with Eric Holmes. Your thoughts on this film? Uh, this one worried me because I was really lo- well. First of all, Thomas Hayden Church is—I love him. And every time he pops up, he's just—I like. Um, I think the it was Sideways where I first started. You know, I think a lot of people first started like really getting into him. But uh, he just has that, uh, I don't know, there's something about him that he's just really likable on camera, uh, even when he's being kind of a douche a little bit. Um, and I love the uh, the um, chemistry between him and his daughter in this. Um, but I was worried because there's an ending to this movie that would have thrown away every ounce of goodwill that I would have had for this movie. And they didn't go there. I was so thankful for that. Probably shouldn't get into what that ending could have been because it would tell you what the ending is. Um, but uh, stick the yeah, landing. It was, did it for for you? So it stuck it, the landing for you. It, it did. More importantly, it avoided the bad landing. We'll, we'll say that because uh, there's there's a there's a version of this movie and I've seen it done in other movies where uh, I'm just going to stop talking about that because I'll, I'll just be too tempted to give it away. But um, I, I did like the ending and it didn't go the place that I was just crossing my fingers. Please don't go there. Please don't go there. OK, they didn't go there. We're good. We're good. Um, But I, I love the um, love the relationship between him and his daughter. Uh, there was a. uh uh, you know, someone, someone passes away, which was, is kind of cheat codes, but it worked on me. Mm. Yeah. There, there's a lot to like in this. It's definitely kind of a downer, but I think, uh, Thomas Hayden Church just has that kind of personality that even though it's not laugh out loud, funny, he's charming enough that can kind of keep it from just being a, a bummer all the way through. Okay, cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I can't wait to hear what your rating is for this, Eric. You know, Bruce, this is a low-key film, Acid Man is. So that's where my trepidation is. I'm thinking, you might be thinking it's a little bit too too hokey or maybe just too low stakes for you, or am I wrong in my assessment of your review of it? Um, I don't know if the stakes are too low. I'm I'm definitely a little bit more of a, on the miss side on this one. Part of the problem is I think their chemistry is really good, and I think that's a problem for me. So basically the idea is that she's coming there. First of all, I agree wholeheartedly with Thomas Hayden Church and both of the actors in here, and their their chemistry is really good, and they are really likable on screen. So I agree with all that stuff. My problem is their their chemistry is almost too good. They're too they're too comfortable with each other. She's supposed to be coming there, being estranged from him for what is it, fifteen years or sixteen years, something like that. I think is right. what they said. I didn't feel that very strongly in here. I mean, there's a few moments where he kind of just like, okay, you know, whatever. They seem to get comfortable with each other, like pretty much immediately. And that was a problem for me. I, I felt like I didn't feel like there was any really much conflict with him other than like, why did he leave and what's he doing? And she kind of know where he's doing and why he's there. Cause you kind of get an idea. Like he's kind of on the fringe as far as what he's, he's, 
looking for and doing out there, but it doesn't seem to really affect him and them and her that much. They're, they get along pretty well. And I am on the other side of Eric when it comes to the death that happens in the final third. I thought that was super cheap. Some come a million miles away. They really telegraphed it. And I thought it was, um, it was writing to make there be more stakes in a final third than really was there. Almost like the writers, which I think the director is the writer or one of the co-writers, almost mm-hmm. like the writer knew there wasn't enough stakes. Like they almost felt it. They felt like, hmm, not enough is really happening here. We need to make it, we need to amp it up a little bit. That and some of the uh, locals coming through, that all that stuff wasn't really fleshed out. There's There was a, a person they keep meeting at a diner, not fleshed out. Like, why is that person such a great friend with them. There's a lot of things that felt like they just weren't wholly realized for me. So I liked them. I liked their, I liked how they interacted, but the story for me was, was a kind of a big, big empty. I think, uh, empty. I, mm. I think a lot of what, um, what kind of not really solidifies her information or their uh, relationship, but kind of what gets her to stick around with them as long as she does is he's definitely mentally ill. There's, I mean, true. You know, he crazy guy out in the woods, but he, I think he has actual. I, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't diagnose. Especially, I can't diagnose a fictional character, even if I could. But I suspect that, like, she sees the mental illness in him. Like, oh, dad's crazy. There's nothing, and but you know, it comes to a breaking point where she's fed up with it, and then you know, the thing, the thing that happens is kind of. I didn't see that as rising stakes. I saw that as the snapping them out of it and being able to yeah. come together after that. I guess for me, by that point, I already felt like they were too, like, I just never felt much of anything. Like you said, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. For me, it just didn't work. I didn't, I didn't feel like, I feel like she should have been more frustrated or more angry. It's like that thing when um, this happens in someone's life. Uh, I don't know, a uh, chronic illness or a uh, quick death or I don't know, something crazy like a suicide or something, right? You go through all those things like anger and horrible sadness and just all this frustration and feeling like you've been abandoned, all these kind of things. Those are like a lot of big emotions. And she kind of just comes there and she just doesn't seem to deal with any of those. Oh, and then there's, and I agree with you. I am really glad they didn't do at the end what they could have done. I yeah. absolutely agree with that. Uh, but I also thought another thing was really cheap is there's another revelation about her character at the end that was also like, oh boy, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I see that, yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah, it did not yeah. work for me. Yeah, you know what, I'm on the flip side, that those little changes, those changes, those big changes worked for me. We're going to have some different differing reviews for Acid Man, different ratings. First off, Bruce, what is your rating for Acid Man? Uh, two. Two stars from Bruce Perky. What about you, Eric Holmes? Man, two? Yeah, I was not, I was <laughs> quite not on board with this movie. Um, I'm kind of between a three and a half and a four. Um, I'll go four just cause, uh, I, I think, uh, literally the entire movie, I was like, don't do the ending. I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to do it. And then when they didn't, I was like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. So I'm, I'm, I'm bumping up half a star for that. Four stars from Eric Holmes. This is from filmmaker Alex Lehman. During the interview with him, I told him how much I love Blue Jay, his previous film, Blue Jay, and also especially Paddleton. Loved, I love Paddleton and Ray Romano's performance in Paddleton. And he also directed the recent movie, which I believe is streaming on Peacock right now. It's called Meet Cute. have not seen that as well. But for Acid Man, like Bruce said, I really enjoyed the performances. All of those plot points worked for me. It felt like a very organic film. This is a, 
I don't mean low stakes. This is a very lo-fi, subtle film, but it just hit me in the right way. So my rating for Acid Man is not four, it's four and a half. So four and a half stars for me, four stars for Eric Holmes, two stars for The Grinch. I mean, Bruce Perky, <laughs> Acid Man, don't ever take him to Oregon. He's going to two-star bang you. Oh, I was, bro, <laughs> bro, I was born him. in Oregon. I was born in Oregon. Don't, you can take That's me to Oregon. A wound. Oh, That's dude. a wound. Acid Man. That's a kill. <laughs> how dare you bruce i thought you loved oregon man so anyways they were all outsiders interlopers into my domain <laughs> fair that is fair that is a very good rebut from bruce Sperky. i just want to mention a movie that's coming out on friday before we get to tetris not the game the movie eric and bruce will be reviewing that in a second i feel very bad could not get a screener link for either bruce or eric for this movie called a thousand and one <laughs> I just want to read the IMDb summary right now. It's on, it's an hour and 57 minutes. And the plot line, it centers on, quote, after unapologetic, uh, after unapologetic and fiercely loyal Inez kidnap, kidnaps her son, Terry, from the foster care system, mother and son set out to reclaim their sense of home, identity, and stability in a rapidly changing New York City. So ultimately, the mother is played by Tam Taylor, and the son, her son, is named Terry, and he is played by several actors from different ages, Terry at six years old, there's a Terry at 13 years old. Most notably, there is a Terry at 17 years old, played by Josiah Cross. 
Avon Courtney plays Terry at 13, and Aaron Kingsley at Adetola plays Terry at six years old. Family drama set in New York. This is a fantastic movie. I mean, comes out on Friday, and my hope is Tayana Taylor gets Oscar buzz for this movie. I, hopefully she gets nominated, or actually in the conversation of nominations, Josiah Cross as Terry at 17 got me almost to the chopping onions petite maman level towards the end of this movie and i recently interviewed her interviewed him so maybe there's a little bit of a bias one of his favorite movies is inception i i don't know if that's not inception interstellar bruce i don't know if you were a huge fan of interstellar but i know eric holmes did you shed a tear over interstellar or did you really feel catch you in the feels that movie or maybe you love the science are you an interstellar uh, stan the the emotional stuff got me a little bit, but the thing I love most about the Interstellar is the all the science stuff. Okay, you know, I, I I love space, it, astrology. I love astrology or astronomy. <laughs> astronomy. <laughs> okay, but, okay. Uh, on yeah, Eric's voice, it, it, Interstellar is great. On Eric's voice, I'm trying to do Eric's Eric Holmes's voice. Bruce Perky, are you going to throw Chris Nolan a bone <laughs> regarding Interstellar? Can you say something nice about Interstellar before I finish my a thousand and one? Throw him a bone. Let's see. Well, I mean, <laughs> the beginning of 2001 throws a bone in the air and it turns into a spaceship. That's really cool. Okay. One of these days, me and Eric, our job is to get Bruce Perky to become a Christopher Nolan. Stan, we'll see how our, our Don Quixote or what is it? Quixotic or Quixotic? I don't know how do you say that. Quixotic mission, if it will fail or not. Yes, it's one of these days. Anyways, Josiah Cross is very good as Terry in a thousand and one family. We're talking about family dramas. I was acid man. This is a completely different family drama set in Harlem, New York, and parts of New York. Very beautifully shot and directed by A.V. Rockwell. This is one movie that is receiving a ton of acclaim, and it did receive a, a win over at the Sundance Film Festival. It's the winner of the Grand Jury Prize at the Sundance Film Fest. So there is a lot of awards hope behind 1001. And listeners, viewers, if 1001 is playing at your local cineplex or theater and you love acting performances, go check this movie out. So that is my review for 1001. I am giving it, thank you, Eric Holmes, I'm giving it four and a half stars for my rating for 1001. And I am champing and chomping and whomping and champing at the bit for Bruce and Eric, hopefully one day, very, very soon to see 1001 down the road. They have not been seeing that movie, but they have been seeing this other movie with Taron Edgerton. It's called Tetris. The inventor of Tetris. Wow, really? Mr. Rogers, I want you to know that I believe Mr. Belikov would like you to know that he doesn't trust you. I think you are And you, sorry, these are not my words, are a liar and a thief. Also a horrible cook. And he's bad at it. It was a joke. I don't think I understood. Yeah, I can see that. It's on Apple TV Plus on Friday. They saw it a week ago. Let's see if the movie's power still holds. Bruce Perky, Tetris, what can audience members or Apple TV Plus subscribers expect from this extravaganza? Uh, I think this is a real kind of a crowd pleaser movie, which I did quite enjoy. I know that Eric had some issues with it. He'll talk about what those are. But um, I think that it kind of hits a lot of notes that I think a lot of people will be able to enjoy, which is, you know, it has the nostalgia factor of this kind of 80s, you know, games and the the, the dawning of Game Boy, which literally uh, there's a great scene where 
the Game Boy is shown to him in some secret laboratory for till he's like one of six people to see it. Uh, but the main thrust of the of the movie is is Taron Egerton's character or Egerton, uh, Hank Rogers, and he's kind of this. Uh, I what you call him like a huckster salesman, like a dealer wheeler type of dude in the eighties who's trying to become a mover and shaker in the gaming industry. And he, he had his own game, which pretty much failed immediately. And during some, uh, uh, what is it? A conference of gaming. Oh, he, he did. Uh, he, he made a video game version of go, right? Which is not yeah. flying <laughs> anywhere. Oh, the game and, sucks anyway. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, he runs out and he just happens to come across, uh, I think his assistant actually finds uh, someone who's demonstrating Tetris and he's like, Oh my gosh. And he finds out that I think it's the Japanese rights are still available. He buys those. And then the rest of the movie becomes this intrigue, almost spy spy caper where the various rights, especially the handheld gaming rights are in question and possibly up for grabs. And the only way to make that happen is to literally go behind the iron curtain deal with the KGB and various other entities uh, and try to get the rights. He's trying to get the rights basically for Japan to, and himself, you know, to have a, a piece of that pie to get the game boy to have the rights basically for Tetris. Uh, it is a ton of fun. I think this movie is a ton, ton of, ton of fun. Um, great characters keeps moving. It's got a uh, real fun, you know, the, the spy angle and the, you know, cold war stuff is all really fun the um the characters kind of sparkle and a lot of the stuff that surprised me in this was there is some great back and forth with various russian characters in this movie not only the creator of tetris which is there's some real life stuff in there too but also some of the people who are these government officials and like all of the intrigue there i i think this is a no-brainer it's easy it's fun to watch and i think it's uh it's going to be kind of a it could be a minor hit i know it's hard when it's on apple tv because it doesn't get a lot of eyeballs sometimes but i think if people give us a chance i think it's a, a pretty easy one for a lot of people to enjoy bruce an hour and 58 minutes and you still said it flew by right for you it did for me i think there's it keeps moving and there's a lot of drama built into it but also a, a good amount of fun and i think a lot of that is uh taryn i've, I've always been kind of iffy on him as far as like the other stuff he's done but i think he's kind of well suited for this role oh very very good so you pleasantly surprised by how much yeah. you like tetris okay yeah okay very i'm, I'm excited I'm, i definitely want to check this out this out on apple tv plus eric holmes you uh, have a different take on tetris right not too different um there's two main things that bug me about this movie so i'll start with that because everything else is i loved it the uh the uh oh daddy works all the time and can't come to my recital <laughs> yeah um, yeah if you're writing the screenplay and you have that subplot get it out no one wants to see it <laughs> that's like the most cliche subplot on the planet and it has no place in this movie uh number two there's a great car chase at the end didn't need it get that out of there because uh, there's a there's a youtube channel called gaming historian and they've they covered the the story of tetris i think like three years five years ago however long it was the story of tetris is insane and they had they had a lot of it in this movie and i'm watching it going wow they they had to have made that up they so much so that when it got to the car chase i'm like maybe that was what actually happened but actually no there was like more that happened even after the the movie happened so it's like you take that subplot out and you take that car chase out. You can add in more of the insane story that is the making of Tetris. 
with that out of the way, uh, this this tickled all the same nerves that uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin movies do for me, just like back and forth and and wheelings and dealings and behind the scenes and oh what oh what's going on with what, what are they doing? Wait, wait, and well written too. It's it's a well written yeah. film. Okay, yeah, I mean there there's a couple parts that are kind of righty, but you know, it, it, I don't expect anyone to be Aaron Sorkin other than Aaron Sorkin, so you know, I, I totally forgive that. But I mean. Hey, it was a valiant effort, and I think for the most part, this movie pulled it off. Um, and like Bruce said, this movie's a ton of fun, which is weird because a lot of it's just kind of talking in business meetings. You wouldn't think it's fun, but I think the story's so insane that like every you know every twenty minutes or so, you're like, "Wait, this is over a video game?" <laughs> yes. Well, oh, the, let it, us. It, Go ahead. Oh, good. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say that the story is insane. I wish they would have taken those two things out I mentioned earlier and just added more of the insanity that is a Tetris story. But I would also say I think a lot of people will enjoy Tetris. Go watch it after you're done or maybe before even check out Gaming Historian on YouTube because they have like a, it's like a 50, 50, 53 minute kind of documentary on the Tetris story. It's really good. Okay. This movie is directed by John S. Baird. I just wanted to mention John S. Baird very quickly because in 2018, he directed Stan and Ollie with Steve Coogan playing Stan and John C. Riley playing Ollie, Oliver Hardy. Love this movie so much. I've seen this movie maybe 30 times when my niece, my niece, Claire, she's now six when she was what, I guess maybe two or three years old. We would watch this movie time and time again, and we would pretend to be, she'd be Stan, I'd be Ollie, of course, because of my girth, but just a lot of great memories of Laurel and Hardy, uh, Laurel and Hardy, thanks to Stan and Ollie. So just based on that kind of goodwill, I definitely have to see Tetris should not, I, I wish I actually was able to review it this week. My bad on that. All that said, Eric Holmes, your rating on Tetris. Uh, you know, despite the the shortcomings, uh, this is easy four stars. I mean, it's just it, it, it's just a total crowd pleaser. And as Anderson says, goes down smooth. Oh, Except for the car chase, that's out of place. And the <laughs> I, I don't care about your recital. Goes <laughs> down smooth, and if he, <laughs> yeah. your, your dad's about to lose the house, no one cares about the recital. That's like <laughs> no that's very low priority on the list. Hashtags, recitals, low priority, Eric Holmes, hashtag. So anyways, Bruce Bergen, your rating on Tetris. I will also go four stars, and I would just add there's some great soundtrack stuff, with some very cheesy 80s songs done in Russian. So that's a lot of fun, too. Okay, there's a quick mention. So that is Tetris again on Apple TV Plus on March 31st. That's four stars for both Bruce and Eric. Currently in theaters is a movie called A Snowy Day in Oakland, what do you want to say about this movie that's now out in theater, sir, Eric Holmes? So uh, this a snowy day in Oakland kind of takes place in it, it takes place in Oakland, but it's got this weird kind of, uh, you know, when you watch movies, they they feel like they're shot in a studio or yep. they, mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they feel like it's contained somehow. That's kind of what this feels like. And there's a theme of a snow globe. So I think that was on, on purpose. Uh, this is kind of uh I think a lot of people listening are going to absolutely hate this movie, but I absolutely love this movie because it was just absolutely adorable. Uh, Nicole Parker, uh, she's Latrice. She moves into this uh, this uh, uh, neighborhood. Well, not neighborhood, like uh, you know, a bunch of businesses, uh, street or whatever. And she opens up a uh, you know what, what do they call those uh, psych- psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, therapist. There you go. Therapist therapy. 
could use it. But anyway, um, she opens up that, and then everyone in the uh, everyone on the block are like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna go. Uh, you're gonna go over there." Hell no, I, I'm no, I'm not crazy. I don't need a blah blah blah. You know, the the story is what it is. But uh, it's just kind of one of those. Uh, Think of now. I haven't seen a Tyler Perry movie. Like I've seen Star Trek and I've seen Gone Girl, but I haven't seen a Tyler Perry movie like the Medea things. But this feels like a Tyler Perry version of like Friday. It's that mm. kind of movie, but it's wow. just like a really cute, adorable version of that. Kimberly yeah. Elise is in this one. I love her as an Michael actress. J. White's in it. Um, Jack A's in it as uh, a voiceover, and uh, oh, Keith David. Now Keith David was in this, and I found out because uh, I saw him on the titles, and I'm like, sweet, I love Keith David. I didn't recognize him in this at all, and then I think I think a lot of his stuff may have been on the cutting room floor, or it's just kind of like. You know, because he played, he, I think it's a flashback where he plays, uh, plays the dad character. Um, but it's blinking, you miss it. And I missed it and I watched it twice trying to find it. But, uh, Michael J. J. White's awesome. Rena Wilson's awesome. Claudia Zavalos. Claudia Zavalos. Oh, her and, uh, so I interviewed her and her character and Tony Plana, uh, they own oh, wow. the, the, uh, Bodega USA. Um, you know, just a little shop that you go into. Uh, they're just cute as hell. Just watching their their relationship go back and forth because, like, even though like the whole the whole block feels insular, um, each store feels insular as well. You got the barber shop, the bodega, uh, the clothing store, so on and so forth. And this is just, yeah, I can't say it enough. This is absolutely adorable. Uh, watch it, felt really good. Watch it again, felt even better. And I, that said, I think a lot of people are gonna hate this one. Um, but I think for a certain people in a certain but, lane, I think they're absolutely going to love this as much so, as I did. So Eric, people who enjoy family dramas or family dramedies maybe would enjoy a snowy day in Oakland. Uh, the, the, um, um, what, what can I compare this to? Like, like a really, really good episode of two, two, seven or it's Friday. It, it, it's, it's the, there's a story, but you're not there for the story. You're there to hang out with the characters. And if you like the characters, you're going to dig the movie. And if you hate the characters or you don't line up with the characters, you're not going to like it. I mean, it's it's kind it's of like to- neighborhood slice of life. Is it kind of like that sort of? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely cheesy in spots, but it, you know, it's got a lot of heart to it. And uh, you know, I, I, what can I say? I really dug this one. Well, I'll tell you what you can say. You can say your rating for a snowy day in Oakland, Eric Holmes. Oh, this is no question. Three star banger. If you're in for it, you're going to love it. And if you're not, you're going to hate it. Uh, it's just one of those type of movies, but I fell on the love it side. Okay. Very. He said it was charming. It's a snowy day in Oakland for everyone, including Eric Holmes, who gives it a three-star banger rating currently as of this recording written and directed by Kim Bass. It is, uh, yeah, it's it's available in theaters. It's in theaters. Yes, sir. Eric Holmes. A single all the way. If oh, you yes. like single all the way, you will like a snowy day in Oakland. Yeah, if you so hated single all the way, you will hate a snowy day in Oakland. <laughs> okay. That is a oh, very, very good review on this. I, again, another movie that I think I should have checked out. I, I might have to bug Eric if he has any kind of uh, contact or a link for that. I will definitely check out a snowy day in Oakland as well. I'll ask him after we're done recording. Okay. I wish we were done recording right now because we have to, re- we have to do this movie called Ian uh, Bruce Ennis Main or Mean 
or mm-hmm. called Ennis, Maine. Ennis, Maine, it's a movie set in the Cornwall or Cornish Inlet Coast, and it is a movie that comes out on Friday. Does it really come out on Friday, or is it a dream? Am I actually here recording with Eric or Bruce, or I am I somewhere off the Cornish coast looking for flowers that have lichen or lichens on them? And is there a ham radio with, uh, or are there drowned people on the waters? What's going on, Bruce? What is this movie? Okay, well, hmm. Uh, so this is okay. This is pretty easy to describe, I guess, for the basic part of it. So you have uh, the character played by Mary Woodvine. She's on this. It's supposed to be in the seventies, by the way, and it's got the you know the boxed-in framing. It's got the aged look to it, where it's sixteen like millimeter scratches and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, on the, on the, and I think it is shot like a sixteen millimeter, right? It's, um, it's shot specifically on sixteen millimeter Bolaflex camera. Yeah. Set in 1973, right. obviously the Bolaflex camera does not have, uh, you can't sync sound. So it's sound after. Right. Yeah. So this is all like kind of very, very, very indie. Basically she, it starts out, she's taking a temperature of the earth next to these really rare flowers. Then she walks by a stone, like a stone tower. She goes over to this pit that's really deep in the ground. She drops a rock and waits for it to hit and hear the sound. She walks home past a big giant pointy rock. She walks into her house, starts up a generator, puts her jacket up on the hook, makes puts tea, thing, puts it, makes tea, puts on, turns on the radio, and writes in her journal, you know, the date, the temperature, and no change. And I noted in my notes that at the forty-five minute mark, we actually get a change. We actually have our first change in that thing. Uh, she does this, repeats it, repeats it, you know, rinse and repeat every time there's some little slight variation to what's happening. It's, I guess, supposed to be kind of a very slow folk horror time loop, possibly something else going on with different times intersecting. But I can tell you, boy, oh boy, I I really wish Eric would have seen this because he might have surprised me and loved it. But this feels like the kind of movie that would have just killed his soul uh killed, wait, wait, killed, like, <laughs> this would have killed eric's soul you're saying yes i think so because i think it's this is like he talks about indie porn sometimes when it just drives him crazy and it feels like the kind that would have but then sometimes it it hits him right and he ends up loving it i don't think there'd be any middle ground for eric but for me this was i think at 30 minutes i was like 30 minutes of nothing at 45 minutes i was or 50 minutes i was writing will this ever end and it eventually it ended. Wow. See? That's a good thing, right? It, it was. I, I need to, I think the running time for Ennis Maine is, I think, around 93 minutes or 94 minutes, something like that. How long did this movie feel to you, Bruce? I mean, it felt like three hours to me. I, this is, this is, I, I think I'm far in the major in the minority on this one too. Like after I watched this movie and I thought what my rating was of this, I looked at the reviews and they were almost all like super positive. Okay. I, I will push back on you being the minority on this, Bruce, because can you tell our listeners and viewers, uh, what is the big barrier to entry? There's a huge barrier to entry to this movie. And I, I don't see how you could be the minority on this one. Well, yeah. Cause this is like super indie experimental artsy, like a uh, tone. You want to talk about tone poems? I mean, this is like uh, mm. nothing. Nothing is nothing is quote happening, which isn't necessarily a barrier for entry for me. I can go for those movies sometimes. I mean, we like Skinner Uh, 
but boy, oh boy, for a lot of, I would say a lot of people like mainstream movie viewers, mm -mm, no, stay far away. So mainstream viewers stay far away. And I am giving credit or discredit to Bruce because I asked him, how is Enos Main? Enos, how is Enos Main? I asked him on, I texted him and he said, no comment. And just <laughs> by you saying no comment last night, it raised a little bit of a fire in me. I'll get, okay, mother effer, I'm actually going to watch this movie and I want to see what the comment is. And I said, I knew, I said, I should have watched Tetris. It's the one that's going to be popular. I wanted to actually chime in on this Apple TV plus thing. I looked at our Google doc, Eric Holmes is staying far away from this movie. <laughs> and I go, there's a reason why Eric Holmes is not watching, you know, Ennis, Ennis Main and, uh, Probably he's doing the tip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Wow. I think you still have the link, Eric Holmes, because this is a movie that I think Bruce said will steal your soul. This movie absolutely stole my soul because I think this movie is absolutely friggin' brilliant. I loved every single second of this movie. There is that barrier to entry, Bruce Murphy, for audio listeners. It, no, believe me, it thinks it's brilliant too. Oh boy! Are you calling I'll me an off. it? Are you calling me an it, Bruce? No, no, no the movie itself thinks it's I'm brilliant. Kidding, I'm kidding. It'll I'm tell kidding. you. I wrote a five banger for Bruce in the Google <laughs> chat. Let me go ahead and change that real quick. Yeah, you thought Bruce was going to give it five star banger. Look, we're going to get to Bruce's rating in a second. Bruce is correct on all his assessments. This is a huge barrier to entry to most cinephiles, even diehard cinephiles. This is one of the and Bruce mentioned tone poem. Met, there's meta, metaphysical elements. There are things that do not wrap up. This is, that's not a spoiler. That's just the way the movie is. That's the aesthetic. And I, this is a movie that I will return to time and time again. I love the visuals of it. I love the fact that it was shot on 16 on film. And this whole movie, we said there's not a lot happens. Literally, it, it seems like not a lot happens, but in fact, too much, too much happens in this movie because there's so many different, different dreamscape situations there are time elements going there's things that go grow on the flower and it grows on someone's skin and it had me looking up what lichen is and i realized lichen is only created by when two organisms are touching against each other so maybe think about the motifs of the movie makes you think if you are on that enos enos main train train and, and that train of thought so for me i loved everything about this movie i flipped for it it's so it's so elusive. I love that. I, it was seductive. Just like Bruce said with his no comment the other night, I it seduced me into watching this. And this movie frustrated me at time, frustrated me at certain points. But then eventually I, I said it won me over. It just completely, I don't know, maybe I was on, I wasn't on any drugs when I was watching this movie. I was actually sane, drinking water, focusing in, in on this movie. This is one of my favorites of the year, Enos Main. And again, it's abstract. It's elusive. It's not for everyone. I have a feeling that Bruce is right regarding Eric Holmes. I cannot wholeheartedly suggest this movie to Eric because if it has a chance of stealing his freaking soul, I don't want Eric to have his soul stolen. And maybe Eric does not actually trust when I say this is, for me, Enos Main is a five-star banger. That is my rating for this movie. Bruce, your rating. Uh, one star because it had film that looked good. <laughs> this is our one most star. Got it. This is this is our most disagreed film in history from <laughs> movie from what is it movie mainline to find your film to now this. To, to this now is cinematic. like student film level bad. 
Yeah, if, you're, if the student was Stanley Kubrick or Nicholas Rogue or... See? Oh, it wanted, oh, it wanted to be Nicholas Rogue for sure. This is like, <laughs> that's why, look, do you see the red jacket? Isn't that like Nicholas Rogue? Isn't that like, don't look now? <laughs> yeah, he Ooh, wanted to be... Wasn't it really spooky when she like shuddered and like, oh, that, that scary rock appeared in front of her door. Oh, that's a spoiler. I'm sorry. <laughs> I laughed when, the, when the, the cup fell or whatever it was fell. I laughed so hard. I was like, no. I'm going to be Bruce's comedic writer for a couple of seconds. He wanted to be Nick Rogue, but unfortunately, he's Little Nicky. So anyway. <laughs> I like Little Nicky. It's a better movie. <laughs> Far better. <laughs> okay, folks, let us know what you think of Enos Main. Not enough puppets, not enough. <laughs> I needed much more, much more buckets in this movie. All right. So one star from Bruce, five stars, five star banger from me. Enos Main is available in theaters, only in theaters, by Neon Rated on March 31st. Tell us what you think. Who's closer? Oh my gosh, Eric, are you? Is your appetite wetted? Did it oh wet yeah, you, you guys, you guys threw a fire hose of uh, <laughs> appetite wetness. <laughs> he has mouth. to watch it now. He has to see. Oh, okay. On, bad news, Eric. What happens if you agree with Bruce? What happens? Your soul is stolen. See, the thing is, we're doing the review now. Well, you guys are doing the review now. So I don't have to review it next week. So if it's, you know, if we get a bit in, I'm like, not for me, I can bail. I mean, the only thing Eric could do is he can call it a three-star banger. I mean, that's uh, logically the only thing that can happen right now is right in between us. I'm going to give it three and a half stars just because I'm a grown man. I make my own decisions. (laughs) You don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Look at that. Look at that. Okay. Rage against the machine. Go Go ahead. Okay, so we're done with our featured reviews. That is such a very interesting thing. I, I hope more Bruce, do you hope more people on our cinematic Facebook group give this movie a shot or not? Sure. Because you're privi- oh, sure. Yeah, I mean it's 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 different. Okay. Sure. Okay, fair. That's fair. But uh, be warned, if you're not liking it after twenty or thirty minutes, I don't think you're gonna like it. I'll put it that way. Bad luck banging or and loony porn or this movie. Oh, oh god. <laughs> uh bad luck banging by a long shot. Oh, my goodness, Bruce. Okay, very good, very good. Enos main. Okay, so we're done with that, but not yet. I just want to say that give props to Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class. He, Tyler Noe and Joseph Navarro, they do a great job over at Middle Class Film Class once a week. Peter Beta is here on Cinematics Dropping. What is he dropping? Eric Holmes. Yo, Pete, rock or drop that beat. Remove your hand from the box and you die. It's in the box. pain all right box movies the 20th century it's yes. such a general general title i bailed out on the, the title i was thinking is it interesting is it good well kate from walk the cinema podcast she has very good taste in cinema so what do you think do you concur bruce on this movie that it's worth watching yes but once again very very high barrier to entry and uh did you get either of you watch the clip I sent you? Yes. <laughs> I sent you a clip from this. It looked like that, uh, it, it looked like uh, maybe after Blue or uh, uh, like a, oh, what the hell is that guy's name? The guy Madden Dune, <laughs> the, something Yodorowski, like Jodorowsky. maybe some, something kind of in that in that kind it's, of vein. It's yeah, it's very 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 stylized. Um, I, I kept saying Guy Madden because Guy Madden's uh, Canadian and has this really really specific style. This is like a less hyper Guy Madden because Guy Madden has always got super hyper cutting and stuff in it. Um, I saw one review say this is the most Canadian movie ever made, and I would say that there is something to that for sure. Uh, this is supposed to take place in 1899. 
right before the 20th century dawns and you have this character um, who is trying to become the new uh, prime minister, if I remember correctly. There's a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of got like elements. It, it looks like, oh boy, how do I describe this movie? It's It's very like the sets are very like expressionistic, almost like something like in Dr. Caligari. But it's also highly absurd, and it's got a very high comedy level to it that either will or won't work for people. Um, For example, at one point, our main character is trying to, in this competition for the prime minister to to see if they're, you know, capable to do it. And I wrote down a lot of the the, uh, events that they have to partake in, and one of them is ribbon cutting. They have to do ribbon cutting. They have to leg wrestle. They have to wait for their t- wait their turn in line. They have to sniff wood. They have to do baby seal clubbing, which I think is a little bit of the scene I showed you, which is like a like a whack a mole thing. They've got to do butter churning. It's really absurd and weird. Um, there's this whole subplot about his mom, like you know, like he's a very mama's boy or something, but he's also trying to. Oh, and his dad has this puppet puffin in a cage that he talks to and he's in love with this woman who is a nurse but i can't describe this movie it's insane it's really really weird i would just say look at the trailer and see if you think the vibe is interesting and if it looks interesting you check it out i actually ended up enjoying this quite a bit but it is bizarre it's a very bizarre movie it's very very unique Oh, that's a good thing. So you mentioned Guy Madden. Does it reach the Guy Madden heights as far as creativity or just execution? I think it does. I think the one thing Guy Madden has is is he's on such a weird wavelength with his editing. Like his editing is part of the film too, because it's just this weird hyperkinetic editing process. This doesn't quite have that, but everything else in this is is amazing. And it it's almost like this, like I said, like a silent movie slash Dr. Caligari expressionistic version of old Canada. And I don't know how to describe it any better that with like elements of like 1984 and like fascism coming into play. And it also, there's, there's elements of gender bending in this too, where they have, you know, they even say it, I think in the poster, you know, women playing men and men playing women and men playing men. And like, it's just this set of fun, whimsical, comedic craziness to it. Sounds like a, a very good gem pick for the box was it one of it, like one of yes. the undiscovered gem? Yes, okay. this is something I would never, ever, ever have come across, and I probably never in my whole life would have seen it. And it's kind of hard to watch. I think I had to rent it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It was you had to either rent it or it's on Mubi. And usually, I've noticed if it's kind of an exclusive on Mubi, usually it's very weird and art artistic and artsy, which is a good and a bad thing. But if it catches you, it's a great thing usually. So I think that's kind of a, a giveaway too if it's on Mubi. Okay, very good. This is 20th Century, currently streaming on movie. Bruce Berkey had to rent it. And it's uh, worth, that was, I guess, obviously, it's worth a rental from Bruce Berkey. Yeah, yeah. Okay, who gives it? What is your rating? For me, it's four stars. But this is, once again, go watch a trailer or go watch a clip from it before you tread into this one. Because you'll probably know really quickly if this is just not your cup of tea. There you go. Okay, that is it. Before we go... There is some box picking from Bruce Perky. He's shaking that box, shaking that moneymaker. That is the box. What's in the box? What's in the box, Bruce? And don't forget, next week you're going to be watching Stone Cold. I I can't wait to see what you guys think of Stone Cold. All right. We, oh, Greg, you got to, see, this is cheating because Greg got to suggest this movie. It's Spare Parts. 
by Sean McNamara. Oh, okay. Spare parts, Sean McNamara. This is in context to a, a movie I believe I really enjoyed. I think Eric, I forgot the name of the movie. Bruce, you were not you were not a huge fan of the movie, the Jonathan Rhys Meyers murder in the castle movie, which I I kind of dug. I forgot. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so that that's and I asked Sean McNamara, a director I I, li- I like his work. And I asked him about what's one movie from his body of work that he wants to pick for the box. And he specifically chose Spare Parts, a film that I still have not seen. And well, we'll see if, it, if we'll see if it works. I don't know. Eric, have you ever seen Spare Parts starring George Lopez? You've never seen that? I don't think. No, probably not. If it has George Lopez, then probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> Very good. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, well. Oh, no. I, I don't have anything against George Lopez. I just haven't seen many George Lopez movies. It sounded like you did. So I'm like, oh, if he's in that, I haven't well, seen it. it. It's kind of like, like when someone says, like, is that your Camaro outside? Well, what color is it? Do you have a Camaro? No. I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that okay before we go any final plugs thoughts and um, well look find your film podcast.com find your film podcast.com holds all our find your film and cinematics merch which if you're looking at the video right now eric holmes has a hoodie it's a zipper there's a zipper down the front i don't know if i'm a big f- oh and you have the cinematics logo on the back eric holmes that looks very very good very well st- you styled it on our teespring website you you actually recommended that the logo be placed on the back correct am i correct on that is that you styled it yourself the, how you did it the green pullover has the the little a with the with the thing that's on the mm-hmm. back and then this one's just flipped around i don't know okay. just played around i thought it looked cool so i did it very and very uh cool. And the way that these things have been flying off the shelves, so uh, let me let me take it. Okay, we've sold none so far, so clearly it's working. <laughs> we've sold none so far. We'll see what happens. I think Bruce had this idea of just giving away all our merch for free. I don't know, Bruce, if that's a very good idea, Bruce. You're not very good on economics here. I mean, we have to. I mean, you have to I'm- give. My opinions are suspect. You shouldn't listen to me. So <laughs> very good. We're not in the 20th century, Bruce. We're in the 21st century. Yes, Eric, you were going to say something. I, I do got a couple things to uh, sort of end on. One, I guess, uh, for anyone interested, uh, Andrea Bocelli is having a Fathom events um, starting April 2nd and going to April 9th. Uh, if you watch Step Brothers, it's a song that uh, Will Ferrell sings at then, uh, where everyone's like Catalina F and wine mixer. Uh, but yes. if you like that, there's a Fathom Events thing with that. And I, the this week got so packed, and I wanted to do this one, but I think I want to uh, give it as proper due next week. But it's coming out on the 4th, which is Living with Chucky. It's an uh, interview, or uh, sorry, it's a documentary about the making of the Chucky movies. And... Just a quick review. Um, it goes the way a documentary you like this. It goes the way you would expect it to. The last half hour uh, got me right in the feels, and I was hmm. not expecting it. Uh, this, this is another Emma Griffiths. Uh, hey Eric, you got to check this out. And every time she gets excited, then I get excited. I'll do a I'll do a more um, thorough uh, review next week, but it's really good. And it comes out April 4th. It's streaming April 4th. So uh, look for that and check it out. It's really good. And uh, congratulations to my buddy, Jonathan Martin, who uh, premiered his short Soul of St. Ives. And uh, hopefully we get to see the heart of St. Ives soon. 
it was re- it was real fun just watching like uh kind of when uh seeing groupers like with all the the cast and crew like just excited to watch this thing that they made uh, it's really infectious watching a movie like that and if anyone uh if anyone of your friends makes a movie or does something cool uh go watch it because that sort of uh feeling it's not a feeling you get watching any movie like to watching movies with the people that made it there's a certain energy that's uh really fun and do you have and a website where people can go to, to for his stuff I, I think i will find out i think he's just doing uh he's putting in a couple film festivals so we'll see i mean you know the movie's definitely rough around the edges but i mean this this is a movie that he's put his heart and soul into and like he's basically working on nothing uh you know like we talked um certain movies have all the all the money in the world to do whatever they want and some people scrape by on dimes and ramen and this is definitely a movie that's scraped by on dimes and ramen but I, i'm just so proud of jonathan for pulling it off and uh can't wait to see the next one if there is a next one we'll, see. well good good do- good job to jonathan on that he put his heart and soul i've never put up my heart and soul into anything i just collect cash and eat red velvet cakes and cupcakes what do you guys think of that me not putting my soul into anything including this freaking podcast bruce are you okay with that I I stopped listening to you when you said red velvet cupcakes. <laughs> very very good, my brother in evil arms, Bruce Perky. You're gonna leave the show with your final thought. No change, no change, no change, no change, no change, no change. <laughs> okay, we'll see you guys next week. Not from Cornwall, but somewhere in the states. Take care, guys.